0: Welcome to another live recording session and another episode of the Stephanie Bree Show. If you are at home and you're watching this on YouTube, or you're listening to it on Anchor or Spotify or wherever you get podcasts, it's actually being recorded Sunday, 7 p.m. Central, live for our Patreon supporters. We have one Patreon supporter in the chat right now. If you are, if you want to participate in the chat. You can come to our, uh, go to patreon.com slash Stephanie and you can get access to our Discord, and you can chat with us. So, hello, Christina. Welcome to the show. Thank you for coming. We're very happy to have you here. Uh, got a good show today. Uh, we've got some interesting topics, and we've got a fun twist on this or that this week. I think you're going to like it. Uh, at least, I hope. You all like it, because we ran into a snag I hadn't uh, prepared for. But, um, so, for the intro, just for, you know, just a recap, I'm going to talk to everybody about this. You know, I'm going to talk to everybody about this, uh, what we're doing here, which we just did. And then I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about favorite Halloween candies uh, before I get to the big announcement, which will come a little bit towards the end the end of the intro. And then uh, after the announcement, uh, we're going to jump into the the topic. So what do we have today for video games? We're going to be talking about horror video games, and that's because it is October. We're damn near ready to get to Halloween, so might as well be talking about our favorite horror video games. But I'm going to be taking a new twist on it because, you know, I love to do that. Uh, For our horror topic, (laughs) I'm specifically talking about Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare the allegedly last Nightmare on Elm Street film in a franchise that was supposed to go on forever. But then it ended, and then it came back, and then it ended and came back again. So I'm going to talk about the final entry in the series, or what was supposed to be the final entry in the series. For our toy topic, I'm reminiscing, uh, I'm going to take a trip through memory lane and talk a little bit about uh, G.I. Joe. Uh, and I'm going to get into why am I talking about G.I. Joe. Spoilers, for those who don't know or may, watch the show, and you're new, uh, or you're just coming back for the first time, uh, we use the theme song, or a snippet from the theme song, from G.I. Joe, the movie, when we bleed into our toy topic, that's the bumper music I use. Uh, this week's hot topic, we're going to be talking about turps. If you don't know what a turp is, well then you better stick around for the hot topic, and if you do know what a turf is, and you might still want to stick around for the hot topic. If you are a turf, please stick around for the hot topic, so I can tell you to fuck off. Or at least correct your uh, despicable behavior. For our supernatural topic, I do not want to spoil it because I'm not going to give you uh, a heads up what it is. We're just going to talk about it when we get there. That'll be fun. So what I like to do uh, going forward is I like I want to be able to have this like nice little intro. I want to chat uh, talk to the people in the chat so we can kind of get an idea of what it is what's going on. Keep an idea on the time. So since it is Halloween, well, it isn't yet, but it will be, I think, next week. Or it's getting pretty close. But it is October, which is the month Halloween falls in. And I love that because, as a witch, I love to celebrate Halloween. So here we go. Favorite Halloween candy. I want to just kind of reminisce a little bit. So first thing I want to do is ask the chat, what are your favorite Halloween candies before I tell you mine? I'll just kind of skim through the chat and say, yeah, I agree, you're out, ah, probably not mine, and then I'll tell you what my favorite Halloween game are. So it looks like we got a chatter chatting away. Do, 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 do. Now, I loved trick-or-treating when I was a kid, um, and so I loved getting candies. Uh, but there were always candies, there were certain candies I liked getting more than other candies. It looks like our chatter is chatting. They like Snickers, Milky Way bars, and Sour Patch Kids. Ooh, interesting. Oh God, no. Nobody wants to get toothbrushes when they were a kid. <laughs> Although I'll tell you what, I I wouldn't say no to a little, you know, baggie of uh, candy or not candy apples, but the uh, the caramel corn. you you know, like the ball, the corn caramel corn popcorn balls? Did, did you ever have those? The popcorn balls? Oh, those were delicious. Uh, so we obviously were poor, so we usually trick-or-treated in mostly poor neighborhoods. Uh, so the popcorn ball, you take regular popcorn and you take like, um, I want to say cornstarch, but it might not be cornstarch. It's something, it's, it's, it's a syrup. I think that's corn syrup. Corn syrup. You take popcorn ball or popcorn and corn syrup and you make it into a ball, basically, and then you stick it in the refrigerator and it hardens uh they're pretty tasty but we grew up mostly in poor neighborhoods so we we, we had a lot of them made uh, a lot of the shitty candies. so we had a lot of sweet tarts we had a lot of Werther's originals those are the nasty candies but we're not here to talk about the, the candies we hate let's talk about our favorite halloween candies so i even though i just made a face talking about sweet tarts i always did like getting not the little the the, the, the little ones that come in the little like the little pills you know a little packet and it looks like a bunch of little tiny pills but I actually do like getting the big ones, uh, like the the one that comes. You know, you get two two big like Alka Seltzer size ones, and you just pop them in your mouth. And those are pretty good. Uh, I never did like. I don't. I don't particularly like chocolate, so I'm not a big fan of getting chocolate. So I never really liked getting the chocolate bars. Uh But I do like getting Nerds. I love getting Nerds. I love getting. Um, I love getting the uh, candy corns. I know that's kind of unpopular take but I love the corns. And some of my favorite ones were Kit Kat. Even though I just said I don't like chocolate bars. I do like Kit Kat uh, for Halloween and I like getting Reese's Pieces or Reese's or peanut butter cups or anything, anything peanut butter. And I always love getting the Butterfinger bars. Any time of the year you can give me Butterfinger bars. Uh, The other one I didn't like getting were Dum Dums but I was, or, or Tootsie Rolls. I don't like getting Tootsie Rolls or Dum Dums. But I like getting Tootsie Pops. And I like getting Blow Pops. I don't know why. I've never had an Henry or a Coffee Crisp. I've never even heard of Coffee Crisp. But I've definitely never had an Henry. I have heard of it. Um, but I've never... Oh, okay, Canadian candies. Interesting. Well, they do things differently up there in the... What is it? The Great White North, as they all sometimes call it. Uh, so... I also like getting Twizzlers, the little the little mini packs of Twizzlers. Those were kind of fun. Um, but, yeah, those are some of my favorite Halloween candies uh, and some of the snacks I like to get. I never liked getting candy apples. I hate getting candied apples. You know, ugh, I hate those caramel apples. Ugh, I hate them. I hate apples. If you haven't been paying attention to my Twitter feed in the last couple of days, I fucking hate apples. And I had to actually block somebody because they kept harassing me about how... I'm supposed to like apples, and I was like, I finally got sick of it. And I was like, What's your crusade to try to make me like apples? I don't like apples. Leave me alone. All right. Last announcement before I get on to the rest of the show. If you go to if you go to stephaniebree.com, you can read my book. I've already put the first five chapters of Goldfish on the Mountain. Real quick, Goldfish on the Mountain is a crime thriller slash serial killer type horror. Not horror, but I'm going to say crime thriller book that I've been writing. I started writing when I was in college, and I just finished it. So I'm I'm publishing it through my website. So every week, I'm going to put out a few chapters. Every couple of days, I'll try to put out some new chapters as as I can. So I hope people enjoy that. So it's called Goldfish on the Mountain. It's at com and thumbs up. I hope you love it. That's all I have for the intro. So I'm going to go ahead and click pause real quick and then we'll keep chatting for you know while i get for a minute or two while i get set up for the next segment then we'll play the bumper music and after we play the bumper music we'll go right into our video game topic hey paisanos it's the super mario brothers super show with the mario brothers and plumbing's a game we're not like the who get all the fame if your sick is in trouble you can call us on the double we're faster than the others you'll be hooked on the brothers okay so we're back for the video game topic uh those of you who are still in the chat thank you for hanging out And uh, so we're going to talk about horror video games because it is, like I said, it's October and it's sort of Halloween themed. So instead of just going through a bunch of random horror video games and talk about all my favorite ones or what I think about this one, I'm going to talk about two specific horror video games. I'm going to kind of sort of spotlight them. They're both for the Nintendo Entertainment System. They're both made by LJN um, and they're both based on two of the greatest most popular horror movie franchises of all time so the first one is friday the 13th, the video game and the second one is game Nightmare on elm street the video game now real quick one of the reasons why i wanted to talk about these two games in particular is because i find it fascinating that of course this was before the rating system but i find it absolutely fascinating that here you have two very r-rated not kid-friendly movie franchises uh, being turned into a very, kid fr- very kid-friendly video game on the kid-friendliest video game console ever made. Uh, I thought that was just fascinating, but a lot of people like to criticize these two video games for various reasons, whether it be gameplay, or they say it has nothing to do with the movie, etc., source material, blah, 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 blah. But I want to talk about these two games for a couple of reasons. One, Friday the 13th is one of the greatest slasher franchises of all time, same way with Nightmare on Elm Street. Two, Nightmare on Elm Street is my favorite uh, movie of all time, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And three, I had these games when I was a kid. Friday the 13th was the third game my parents bought me as a kid, and it was one of three that I had for the longest time, so I played the shit out of this game. And Nightmare on Elm Street was not one I owned as a kid. I I did end up buying it later on down the road. But it is one, it is one that I rented a lot, and it was the very first game I ever emulated when I discovered emulation. So I want to talk about Friday the 13th, the video game, and then I'm going to talk about when I when i was straight to the video game and then I'm going to kind of you know pick up a part and talk about why I just love these two games and I love talking about them. So Friday the 13th starts off you have uh I think it's six counselors. And basically, you go around the campsites, and you try to collect different items. And I'm not going to describe how the game is played, or how it's beaten, because it's very complicated, because it's almost like an adventure game, like a Zelda-type game. It's a very complicated game. But basically, you go around trying to fight Jason and keep him from killing the kids, because you're the camp counselor, and Jason's killing all the kids. Once all the kids are gone, or once all the counselors are gone, game over, you're dead. And literally... When you get a game over, it said, the game over screen is, you and your friends are dead. That's pretty fucking, like, harsh for a little kid. I remember when I played that with a little kid, I was like, oh, I'm dead. Like, dead dead. And I was, like, so crushed, I was traumatized by that game. I thought it was, I just thought it was, like, crazy that that was a kid's game. You know? Uh, So, basically, the number one criticism that comes that gets logged in the game is that it's too disjointed. Because they say, you don't know what you're supposed to do. It's not very clear what you're supposed to do. Well, if you read the instruction book, it is actually clear what you're supposed to do. Nobody ever reads the instruction book. But also, as you play the game, you get this little sidebar where you can, like, a little info bar that pops up and you, you can ask it questions. And it tells you what you're supposed to do. So the game isn't as cryptic as people criticize it for being. So I consider that an invalid criticism. I don't think that's a fair point that you can criticize this game for. The other thing people like to say is it's nothing like the game, or nothing like the movies, excuse me. Well, let's, again, let's do like we did a couple weeks ago when we were summing up, you know, Super Mario Bros. the movie and how even though people claim it's nothing like the movie, it is. It's, it's the plot. The plot is Mario rescues Princess from a dragon in a tower. That is exactly what happens in the Super Mario Bros movie. That's exactly what happens in the video game. We're not going to get into the the, the particulars, but it's the same thing with Friday the 13th. What does Jason do? He goes around and he kills kids, the the campers, and he kills the camp counselors. That's what Jason does. You're expected to lose the game. That's the other criticism. Everybody says the game's too hard. It's impossible to beat. No shit. It's impossible to beat. None of the counselors survived the movie. Why in the fuck would they make a video game that you can beat if no one can survive the movie? Now we're not even going to talk about that modern day Friday the 13th game that is sort of, uh, I guess it's a survival horror slash, uh, I think it's almost more like, what what are those things called that Fortnite is? Battle Royale? It's almost like a Battle Royale type game. Which it's weird because it is. Anyways, so I think that's not a very valid criticism either because the game's supposed to be hard. That's That's actually representing the movies faithfully. Now, yes, I will argue, and I will agree with most people, the graphics on that game are trash. They're just garbage. A lot of times you don't know what is what in that game. The music repeats on a loop over and over, and it never changes. That's annoying as fuck. So I'm not saying the game is perfect by any means, but we're talking about horror games. What's the purpose of a horror game? If you're going to play Resident Evil or Silent Hill or Nightmare Creatures... Or, you know, uh, something like that. What's the purpose? What's the goal? To be scared. You want a game that's going to scare you. Which means you want a game where the monster is going to pop out, suddenly make you jump, your heart's racing, and, and then you're, you can't beat him You're dead. That's the point of a horror movie. That's the point of a horror game. I think it's spot on. It's perfect because it captures what that movie captures. Now, let's talk about Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm going to go a step further here and say that this one absolutely does not deserve any criticisms. In fact, I think this is a 5 out of 5 star game. It's a perfect fucking game. And I really don't understand why people criticize it. But let's go ahead and pick the criticisms apart. Because, again, same thing that I just said about Friday the 13th. What's the plot to a Nightmare on Elm Street? You have teenagers who are falling asleep, and once they fall asleep, they have to fight Freddy Krueger to save their lives and they don't win they die again it's a horror movie and to that end the game captures it perfectly you have a sleep meter and if you fall asleep you go into the dream world and once you're in the dream world you have to fight freddy or his minions or whatever monster whatever goes you're in a nightmare world i think the fact that the nightmare world is terrifying in that game absolutely captures the essence of the movie because that's the whole point of the movie it, the nightmare is terrifying, and if you die in the nightmare in the movie, you die in, in the characters in the movie die in real life. Same thing with the game: if your character dies in the nightmare, they're dead. That is the point. Now, there's some other criticisms people love at it, like the generic monsters. You've got rats, you've got bats, you've got spiders, you've got skeletons. So. A lot, of, a lot of people make the joke that it's really just like a generic haunted house game. And to that, that is I think that's almost, almost a valid criticism. Because it is fair to say, yeah, nothing that you're seeing as far as the monsters go is something you would see in the movie. Except for, well, for one, there's eight movies. By the time when this game came out, there were only four movies and the fifth was being made. But still, let's just look at just the four movies. There were plenty of nightmares. There were snakes in Nightmare on Elm Street two. There were snakes. There, 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 have, there, there, there was a bird in Nightmare on Elm Street two. There've been bats. So all of those things were in the movies. They weren't obstacles necessarily that you had to overcome. But they were, they were accident- One of the dreams, one of the dreams in Nightmare on Elm Street three, has a girl walking into a table and there's a a pig a roasted pig sitting on a table and it's got an apple in its mouth and it's all grimy and and rotten and cooked and it comes to life and starts barking at her that you you see weird shit in a nightmare and that's what these games do they show you weird shit i think that's pretty faithful to the movie i think that is when i when i was a kid never know shit was my favorite movie and so the net mile street game to me it felt like i was in the movie so anyone who tells me that they play that game and it doesn't feel like they're playing the movie, I think they're either full of shit or they didn't watch the same movie I watched. Uh, because Nightmare on Elm Street is a nightmare where you're going to die. And so I think it's fair to say, oh, the, the, the difficulty is hard. Or, the four-player novelty is kind of weird or whatever. Unlike Friday the 13th, where I'm going to say the graphics are crap, And oh shit, hold on. Why is that playing? Holy shit, that was a goof. All right. But anyways, unlike Friday the 13th, where the graphics are trash and they have that one theme, that one tune playing on a loop over and over and over, Nightmare on Elm Street actually has really good music in the background. Really jamming tunes that are fitting of the tone of the movie. Plus, if you watch Nightmare on Elm Street there's a jump rope theme song one two freddy's coming for you they play that tune all throughout the movies that tune is in the game and when they get to number 10 where it says 9 10 freddy's back again or never sleep again depending on which movie you're watching that's when you get the big flashing letters freddy's coming and then he comes out and kills you just like he does in the movie i I i think these are two great horror games that get criticized unfairly by people that don't, I don't think, watch horror to tell you the truth. I think the people who criticize these games are the people who have this weird conception of what a horror game should be. Or they get caught up in the fact that these are Nintendo games and maybe kids shouldn't be playing horror games? I don't know. That's my video game topic. Uh, There you go. Uh, Let me know what you think of horror video games and, and, and these two games in particular. All right, it's time for the horror topic, and I just want to say, if you know me at all, you know A Nightmare on Elm Street is my favorite.
1: Not just my favorite
0: horror movie, but my favorite movie of all time. So for the horror topic, when I'm talking about Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, we're talking about the end of an era, basically. Nightmare on Elm Street was a very lucrative, very popular, and and financially successful franchise for New Line Cinema. It was their first movie. It made them successful, and it was the reason why they were able to come up with the money to make the Lord of the Rings movies. They call it, they call Freddy Krueger, or yeah, New Line Cinema, the house that Freddy built, is what they call it, because Freddy Krueger was that intensely popular. We were just talking about one of his video games a second ago, uh, the previous segment. So I want to talk about Freddy's dad, and this is another one where I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things people don't like about this movie and again i'm going to list the things where maybe i disagree with the popular opinion uh but also kind of go into the things that i like about it and then share the things that i don't like because i'm not going to try to say this movie is a good movie and you should love it it's not it's not a good movie it's not a good movie it's not a good movie (laughs) there is no way i could argue otherwise but it's an enjoyable movie if you like certain things, which one, if you're a fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, there are things to like about this movie. And two, if you're a horror fan in general or you like B-movies at all, then there are definitely ways you can get in, things you can get out of this movie. The other thing is this movie is a transition phase, and that's the key right there. Most of the Nightmare on Elm Street, and so we're going to say pretty much all of the good ones, not all of the good ones, but I'm saying pretty much the majority of the good ones, took place or were made in the 80s. Freddy's Dead was made, I believe, in 1992, maybe even 1993. So it was it was early 90s, but it was way past the 80s. The 80s were already done and forgotten. So one of the criticisms people like to lob at this movie is that it is too goofy. And I'm going to agree with that, absolutely. But I'm going to take it a step back and I'm going to say, well, the series had been progressively getting goofier since the first movie the second movie had some cheese sprinkled on top the third movie had a little bit more cheese the fourth movie was very cheesy and the fifth movie was almost as cheesy as part five or excuse me part six by the time they get to Friday or nightmare on elm street by the time they get to freddy's dead audiences have either warmed up to goofy freddy or yeah he's no longer scary and that is, to me, as a horror fan, that's absolutely a valid complaint. If somebody says, oh, this is my favorite scary movie, but it's not scary, I mean, that's the hard pill to swallow. And I don't really know if I could argue that case. But is the movie that bad? Or specifically, what what do I like about it? What do I not like about it? And and, and why is this movie, why, why talk about it today? So the first thing I want to do is I want to kind of... Go into the the history briefly. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Five was a flop. The Dream Child was a movie that did not make its budget back, and it hurt. It, it didn't just hurt New Line Cinema's bottom line financially; it hurt their reputation because they thought Freddy was untouchable. So their solution to following up a flop was just kill him off, because everybody will go see the one where he dies. Because obviously, I mean, if he's dying, we have to want to go see how he died. But due to a whole bunch of circumstances behind the scenes, we know, we now know Studio Meddling dictated that they basically made a live-action Looney Tunes cartoon starring Freddy Krueger. And if you've ever seen Freddy's Dead, you know what I'm talking about. It's a fucking Bugs Bunny cartoon, but you swap Bugs Bunny out for Freddy Krueger, and that's what this movie is it's too goofy too cheesy even for me and i like killer clowns from outer space i like leprechaun my favorite star wars movie is the one with jar jar Binks, the phantom menace so obviously i like i can handle some cheesy goofy shit absolutely even i call this movie a bridge too far but now let's put that aside and let's say Are there things about this movie that, as a fan, does it have redeeming qualities? Are there things that save this movie? I'm going to say yes. So let's go ahead and talk about the the things I like about the movie real quick. Uh, First thing I like, it's a Freddy Krueger movie. Automatically, I'm going to watch it because it's a memorable Street. The movie actually makes really good sense in the context of the mythology because 10 years have passed since the Dream Child, and Freddy has killed all the kids. He's run out of kids. There's no more kids left to kill. The whole town is empty of kids, and it's a ghost town. So he sends the last survivor out in the world to go to a homeless shelter where there's a bunch of kids to lure them to Elm Street so he can have more kids to kill. Because he's bored and he needs more kids to kill. That part I like. It's the execution that I don't particularly enjoy. Uh, Freddy dresses up like the witch from The Wizard of Oz, and he sucks the boy's house into the sky in a tornado, and he flies around saying, I'll get you, hi, Freddy, and your little soul, too! And it's so goofy, it doesn't fit, it doesn't belong. There's so many stupid little cheesy moments like that that, make, that take you out of the movie. That just take you plumb out of the fact that you're watching a horror movie, and you're sitting there, like, expecting Bugs Bunny to pop out and say, what's up, Doc? And you're just like, No! So that is absolutely one of the reasons why this movie gets shit upon. And I think this movie deserves to be shit upon because it is a shit movie. But let's talk about the mythology. This movie does a great job expanding the mythology. One of the things you get to see in this movie is you get to see Freddy's childhood. You get to see him as a kid. You get to see him as a teenager. You get to see him you know, with his wife and his daughter. You find out he has a daughter. You get to see him murder his wife in front of his daughter. So that world-building, that mythos-expanding part of the movie, is fantastic. And, Freddy Krueger's stepdad, his stepdad is played by none other than Alice fucking Cooper. If that's not a horror icon, I don't know what is. The movie definitely has some redeeming qualities, but then let's talk about the gore. Nightmare on Elm Street movies are gory. The very first Nightmare on Elm Street movie, The very, very first death, Tina, she gets gutted alive in the bedroom while her boyfriend is having sex with her. And she's getting her guts spilled all over his sleeping body. And he's like freaking out. What the fuck? Johnny Depp gets turned into a gushing fucking waterfall of blood. That's fucking gory. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, he rips... Through a guy's chest and rips his skin off and then just peel peels the guy's skin off and then walks out of his body. That's fucking gory. These movies are gory. They're fucking filled to the brim with gore. There's no fucking gore. Hardly any gore. And Friday the or excuse me, Freddy's dead. So the first kill is off screen. You don't even see it. It's a woman on the plane, and she gets sucked out of the airplane, and, well, she died in the dream, so you assume she died in real life. That's not even close to going. The second kill you see is the deaf kid. Freddy takes his hearing aid, puts it in the kid's ear, but blows it up so it's the size of his head, and then takes his claws and scratches a chalkboard until the guy's head explodes. His head explodes. There's... Blood splatter, and then, you know, the kid's body falls over the limb and dead. That's it. The next death is a fucking Looney Tunes death. The guy falls out of the sky, Freddy Wily coyotes in a bed of spikes, makes some goofy gesture, and the kid falls on a bed of spikes, and you see nothing. Just You see his body pushing in on itself, and then he's dead. There are no other kills. Two kills. No, there's a third kill. But I don't even call, count as a kill because the kid is playing a video game, Freddy beats the video game, and the kid dies because the kid was the video game character. And then the kid disappears because he died in the video game. Those are not good kills. No, this movie does not have good kills. What about the dream sequences? One of the other things people love about the Nightmare on Elm Street movies are the dream sequences. And I think Freddy's Dead does have some fantastic dream sequences. In fact, I'd go so far as to say the dream sequences of this movie's saving grace. Uh, But it also has a few dream sequences that take you out of the movie. The best part, though, is when they go inside Freddy's head, and you get to see why he's fucked up the way he is. So, what's my take on this movie? Do I like it? Do I hate it? Is it overrated? Is it underrated? Does it deserve the criticism it gets? I'm going to say this. As a fan of A Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger, this movie has just enough, just enough, for me to say, okay, yeah, sure. Is it the worst one? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is the worst of all of them. This is my least favorite of all of them. This movie is... Hardly worth discussing. I watched this movie the other day, and I remember thinking it's not so bad as I was watching it, knowing full good well a lot of that was nostalgia, and a lot of that was just my overwhelming gushing love for the character and the mythology and the movies. But that did take me to—it's the worst in the franchise, but we're talking about a solid gold franchise. If I was going to give this movie a rating, I'm not going to rate it 5 out of 5. I'm going to give it 2 out of 5. It's barely passable. It's below average. It's not even passable. This movie sucks if you want me to get right down to it. If you don't like horror movies, don't watch this movie. If you like horror movies, don't watch this movie. The only people that should watch this movie are diehard Freddy Krueger fans. And even then, you could probably just watch a YouTube clip. Watch the trailer. You get everything you need from the trailer. I don't recommend watching Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, unless you're a like me, you're a diehard Freddy fan, and you just can't get enough of the Freddy head. Alright, this topic ran a little bit long, so I'm gonna take a quick break and then when I come back, we're gonna talk about toys. So now that we've talked about horror movies, and at least in particular, a specific horror movie, and we talked a little bit about horror video games, let's mix things up for the movie and TV topic. Specifically, I'm going to say something controversial, and I'm going to talk about a topic that uh, people have asked me to talk about in other areas or want me to write about and are curious. So I'm talking about cartoons. And the reason why I'm talking about cartoons is it's it's very well known. I'm a big fan of toys. And most of the toys I like are based on a cartoon. Or they have a cartoon that is based on the toy. But there's a little known factoid about me that I don't talk about a lot that I'm going to talk about here. I don't like cartoons. Even when I was a kid, I didn't care for cartoons. So I'm going to talk about that. Because this is who I am. And I'm going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm going to tell you about my 10 greatest cartoons of all time. Because I can't come up with 10 cartoons I like. That's not to say I never liked a cartoon. So I will talk about the ones I did like. I'm going to touch on what I liked about them. And then I'm going to go about what it is I don't like about cartoons in general. So the first one that I do like is Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? But I mostly like it because of the theme song. That's pretty much it i mean i love the characters i like the the tropes blah 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 but i would literally saturday morning sunday morning whenever that cartoon would come on i'd sit and watch the, the theme song and it would go scooby dooby doo i'm not going to sing it but you know the words and then i would dance and change t- t- you know get all into it and then they'd go to commercial and i've already lost interest and i change the channel to something else i never liked the smurfs a lot of, I watched the Smurfs. I didn't watch the Smurfs. My sisters watched the Smurfs and the TV was on. So I had a habit of watching whatever was on TV because I just liked television. I just wanted something to be coming from the TV. I would sit and watch the movies. I would watch PBS. I was that weird, yes, honest to God, not even lying, I'm that weird kid that watches C SPAN. I watched C SPAN. That is as far from a cartoon as you can get. I was watching C SPAN when I was a kid. Why don't I like cartoons? There's a couple of reasons I don't like cartoons. For one, I was into horror movies when I was young. Very, very young. So I got into very deep, very serious, very mature content at an early age. Cartoons are not deep or mature or serious unless you're getting into anime, whichever you talked about anime, on a previous episode. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people, well, that's interesting. I want to talk to you more about that. Mm -hmm. Somebody watching the news when they were a kid. So, yeah, the thing is, television was, cartoons were not serious for me, serious enough for me. And so I didn't really get into a cartoon unless it was really serious. Like, there was one that was called Red Planet which was based on a sci-fi novel, which I've read the novel, and fucking-tastic. That one was pretty intense, pretty adult. Exo Squad was another one that wasn't really adult, but it was very mature for a kid's show. I liked Exo Squad. I did watch the X-Men, the animated series, but only the first season, and then I lost interest, because after Days of Future Past, which was when it was dark and serious, it started to get a little goopy, especially once they introduced Mojo and, and all that you know, all that weird shit. I hated that once they did that. I never liked the Spider-Man cartoon. I tried to like the Batman, the animated series. I did watch it, but I never liked it. I know a lot of people call that blasphemy. And I wrote about recently, a couple, two or three days ago, how as much as I love Transformers toys, I didn't watch the cartoon when I was a kid. Now, that's not to say I can't enjoy a cartoon. Like I said, I would watch Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Mostly for the theme song. Although I would sit and watch the whole show. The cartoons I did watch when I watched a cartoon, like I said, there was Exo Squad. I did watch uh, G.I. Joe the movie. But I didn't like G.I. Joe, a real American hero. I didn't like the show. I just liked G.I. Joe the movie, the animated movie, not the, well, okay, we're not going to talk about the live action movie. It didn't exist when I was a kid. That movie was made in 2009, so clearly no relevance here. Um, I didn't like He-Man. I didn't. I watched Ninja Turtles, but again, I liked the theme song. I had a lot of the Ninja Turtle toys. I just put it on because it was background noise. I didn't really get it. I can't tell you the plot of the Ninja Turtles cartoon. I can't tell you the plot. I don't. I can't name the characters. I can name the toys. Because I have the toys. I literally, when people were criticizing the Michael Bay movie, I was like, it looks like a Ninja Turtles to me. I don't know the difference. So I'm not a big fan of cartoons. The other reason I don't like cartoons, not just because they're silly. A lot of times they're goofy or cheesy or they're not very serious. Because I can get into a show that's goofy and not very serious like Rugrats. Even though it's animated, I love Rugrats absolutely adore Rugrats. And I could watch that show all day long. But, or or Daria. I love Daria. Daria is a mature show. It's made for teenagers. But here's the thing. The other thing I don't like about cartoons is they look like crowns. And I hate crowns. When I was a kid, I was not into watercolors and I wasn't into crowns. I was into paint. uh, Like acrylic paint. If I was going to paint... I wanted acrylic paints because, again, they looked more mature, more serious, more, um, what do you call it? Well, yeah, more mature, more serious, more authentic. That's what I was looking for. Cartoons look like somebody took a box of crowns and drew a show and then some kid wrote the jokes. All right. Great. That's how I feel about cartoons. I was the kid that when it was arts and crafts time, I couldn't wait to do sculpting. I couldn't wait to paint. And I liked painting, like I said, with acrylics or with oil paints. I hate watercolors because watercolors look even more washed out than crowns do. But whenever they would give us like a box of crowns and, and a coloring book, I hated coloring books too when I was a kid for the same reason. I don't know if it's because they're the the pastels or if it's like the, the, I I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but I don't like crowns. And, And cartoons, to me, look like they're drawn with a box of crowns. And that's why I never got into cartoons. That's not to say I didn't like an occasional animated show because, you know, like I said, I did like an Exo Squad. That one was pretty mature. And it did, that one looked like it was, you know, painted. And if a cartoon, like the NFL, Fly, I liked anime. Anime looked painted. If it looked painted, or it looked mature, I, I could get into it. But if it looked like it was drawn in crowns, I couldn't do it. Because I don't like crowns. And that's one of the reasons why uh, I don't like cartoons. And it looks like somebody said they like watching the weather forecasts. Oh, that's cool. Was that you, Christina? That said that. Yep. Okay. Hi, Victoria. How are you? Thank you for showing up. You got right in. You got right into the middle of my cartoon discussion. Um, I'm telling everybody why I don't like cartoons and why I just never got into them even when I was a kid. Um, so I think that's all I have for this topic. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the topic and then we can have a chat meeting the people in the chat. So now we're going to be talking about toys, and this is my favorite part of the show. because I get to show you toys. So I love showing off my toy collection. So I have three toys that I want to show. Two of them are G.I. Joe. One of them is a companion piece to G.I. Joe. And we're going to talk about G.I. Joe toys. We're specifically talking about G.I. Joe, a real American hero. But we're also going to talk about the—oh, okay. Uh, We're also going to talk about the— Quick, we're going to briefly talk about the 12-inch figures, and then we're going to, you know, sweep that under the rug, as it is often done. I don't have to tell anybody what is GI Joe. It's a cartoon, comic book toy about a bunch of elite American U.S. Marines who go fighting this evil terrorist, the bozos called Cobra. I use the theme song from the movie, a clip, a clip for the bumper. So the first toy I want to show is a transformer it is not a gi joe this is my original g1 megatron if you look at it close this looks like it it could be mistaken for a real gun and uh it's pretty freaking intense uh i'm not going to actually sit here and transform the whole gun i was just taking the pieces off so that you can see that it is mostly metal and plastic but it is a lot of metal um, and this toy is this, this toy is illegal now, not illegal to own. It's illegal to sell through the mail. You can't ship it in certain states. you can't sell it and it you, they can't manufacture it anymore. Uh, so it is is crazy, but why am I talking about GI Joe? So let's talk about toy memories. again, that's what this is all about. GI Joe came in 12 inch figures back in the 60s and 70s. It's before my time. and then they shrunk it down to this size right here. These are two GI Joes that I own. And uh, this is what I liked about G.I. Joe. And it's the only thing I liked about it because I didn't care for the military propaganda even when I didn't know why I hated the U.S. military when I was a kid. I just knew that I did. This first one is a guy. I'll show you. He's one of the bad guys. His name is Destro. And this is one of the things I like about G.I. Joe. And it's the bad guys. I like Cobra. He is not a Cobra operative. Actually, he's a capitalist that sells weapons to... He's an arms dealer, underground arms dealer. He sells weapons to Cobra, but he also sells weapons to, you know, Cobra's enemies and G.I. Joe's enemies. He's just an arms dealer. So he's, he's, a, he's a creep, but he's also a capitalist in a way. And this is the main, main bad guy. You notice something about his um, attire? What does he look like to you? I think if he was painted a different color he might look like something more despicable than he is, Um, besides the fact that he is a leader of a terrorist organization. He looks kind of like a Klansman. In his original toy, he looked very much like a Klansman. He had the hood and everything. This is the reissue, not the reissue, but the redesign, where they toned it down a little bit so he didn't look as much like it. But he was intent, the imagery was chosen on purpose, so that he looked like a bad guy because people wanted to see this is a bad guy um and again that's what i liked about gi joe not that i'm saying i condone violence or that i support the bad guys or that i support terrorists i'm not saying that but in the toys they had the cooler toys most of your gi joe operatives were like weird like you had a guy who wore a, a, a basketball jersey that was it. You had a, an action figure, air quotes, who were a basketball. was a basketball player. He was a ball player that you just pretended he was a soldier. They had another guy who was his name was Shipwreck. He dressed in that YMCA kind of sailor outfit, which there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's like uh, he didn't look like and like he he fit in to an elite, you know special forces team he looked like he was on his way to a ymca cosplay and it was that 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 was out of place and that's the that's what i don't like about the gi joe's they all look like they have weird personalities they don't look like soldiers they don't look like people who would be in an elite military task force they look like random schmoes It's almost like Hasbro just took all the random toys nobody was buying, slapped G.I. Joe label on them and said, look, they're soldiers if you want them to be. And then the bad guys were cool as fuck because they looked like bad guys. Whereas the good guys looked like fucking random assholes. And I never liked that. I never fucking liked that. And that's why I wanted to talk about G.I. Joe because as a Yeah, Megatron is definitely it, it's illegal. They can't even make it anymore. And uh, as far as Shredder goes, yeah, he does have that kind of. But if you saw a picture, if you Google the original Cobra Commander, he wore a you know, I mean, he wore a hood over his head. He looked like a Klansman, and that was on purpose. They wanted him to look like a Klansman. And then of course, you know, they got blowback from that, and they decided to change his design. The more the one in the cartoon, he's actually wearing a helmet with a face mask which in modern times because everybody's wearing face masks it kind of looks like uh like cobra took over the world mm-hmm. bad joke i guess i'm wearing my face mask of course you're supposed to if you're going around public you should but no the reason why i wanted to talk about gi joe is because i use that theme song but you'll notice i only use the snippet where they're talking about here comes the bad guys and it wasn't always Supposed to be, I, I didn't. I didn't always just automatically root for the villains in whichever TV show it was. Although I always knew, if they were being portrayed as the bad guys, I'm using our quotes here, or the villains, then there was it was probably propaganda. And um, I knew this even before I took a political side when I was watching Captain Planet and the Planeteers, because who's the villain in that show? The capitalist who's drilling for oil. Hey, guess what? That's actually a bad guy. But when you're a kid, you know, it was I think it was my dad who pointed out that, that he didn't like me watching that show because of that. Because it made Republicans look bad. So why 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 talk about G.I. Joe right now? Get it out of the way, basically, because I don't want people to come in come in here at me all like I love toys, why don't I love G.I. Joe? Well I don't because I don't give a fuck about the real American hero give a fuck i don't want to support the u.s military i never have i never will um i'm not saying i support terrorists either but what i will say is i do support the underdog in most cases although not all cases and those who are who are oppressed which again cobra are not the oppressors but we're not talking the cartoon we're just talking the toys here they only made two cobra toys The first year they made toys they made cobra commander and cobra soldier all the other toys were quote unquote heroes gi joe was supposed to hasbro's plan was you buy your favorite gi joe you buy his tank or you know submarine or airplane or whatever and he fights your other toys in your toy box that is exactly what hasbro wanted they did not want to make bad guys they didn't want to make villains. They, they didn't want you to buy, but kids were buying the Cobra Commander anyway. So they decided, okay, fine, we'll make more. We'll make more bad guys. And I never liked that. I, I, uh, the toys themselves are pretty good. They're very articulate. They got they're good really poseable. They come with good. They got good detail. You know, and they often did come with really really cool thematic weapons weapons for whoever the character was but the truth is there's like six G.I. Joe toys out of all 700 G.I. Joes that were made there's only like six of them that I I think are pretty cool only one of them is a Joe and that's Sergeant Slaughter and that's because he was a WWF Uh, he was a WWF wrestler or in real life, he was a real person, and I thought he—I thought it was pretty cool. I got to meet him in real life, so I thought he was pretty cool. Um, the other toys I like are all villains; they're all cobras. I, I never liked any of the GI Joe toys. I don't like any of the Joes. I like the vehicles. GI Joe's got some great vehicles. I do not own any of them because they're pricey and hard to get, and you know I have other priorities right now. But I only own three G.I. Joe figures. I own this Destro, I own this Cobra Commander, and I own a Storm Shadow. Excuse me, Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow is one of the ninjas, the the Cobra ninjas. Uh, This topic's running a little long, so I'm just going to say I didn't watch the cartoon. So again, I don't know enough about the story, but I do know they had some pretty cool toys. I never really owned any of them. I own one 12-inch G.I. Joe toy. It's a 12-inch Duke from 1993. But the only reason why I own a 12-inch G.I. Joe is not because I give a shit about the G.I. Joe, but because I have a bunch of Barbies and she needs somebody to fuck, and Duke is the same size as her. So, you know, he's got a little plastic dick. He can fuck her. Sorry if that was a little TMI. All right, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break, and I'll come back for the next segment. All right, it's time for this week's hot topic, and it is a doozy. Today we're talking about TERFs. If you are a trans person, male or female, trans mask, trans femme, I don't know, I don't care, we're all the same, we're all one big happy family, you've probably heard of turf. What is a turf? TERF is a term that stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. What does that mean? It's basically, oh, by the way, we're talking about gay stuff, so let me go ahead and take this shirt off and get into my pride outfit that's underneath wearing my gay colors because got to represent it. And, you know, these middle fingers are for the TERFs. So, basically, a TERF is someone, whether they're a gender critical or not, is who, who believes that trans women and trans men do not belong in the same spaces as cisgender women. That's why they're called trans-exclusionary radical feminists. In other words, they believe that trans women are men. But they also believe trans men are men because they're threatened by trans men and they're threatened by trans women, who they think is men. Basically, they're threatened by anyone who has had or ever has or will have or wants to have a penis. And the thing of it is trans women By and large, trans women, actual trans women, by and large, are pretty harmless. Mostly because, if you don't know this, most of us take hormones that make our... And then that's that. They don't work anymore. And so you really can't be threatened by someone who's got a flat tire, so to speak, because if it doesn't do anything, what the hell is the damn difference? Uh, but terms are coming out of the woodwork, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this topic and why I posed it to the, uh, for the poll, and why I was kind of cringed when people picked it, is because, like we talked about last week, Dave Chappelle, Netflix, that whole controversy. Chappelle actually came out and said he's a turf and he's proud of it, and that's what started most of this whole controversy. And I guess i got to turn this down a little, little bit so you can see my trans flag, or not trans, my gay flag, on the on the podcast podcast, not just the the, the, uh, the other part because this is going to go on the YouTube. Excuse me. So one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to convince, we're trying to educate people that trans women are not a threat. And it isn't just about being a threat trans women shouldn't be excluded from women's spaces because trans women are women yes libido also disappears uh, consider or diminishes considerably when you're on hrt um, because it affects your biology it changes you into a woman basically or matches your feminine character makes it to where you have female characteristics so one of the problems with TERFs, though, is they are very loud and very vocal. Another famous TERF that we are very much uh, uh, over, most of us, is J.K. Rowling. Then the problem is most TERFs tend to be people in positions of power and influence who can actually influence policies that are harmful to trans women. And again, they're also harmful to trans men because typically what you have what we classify as a turf tends to be someone who at their core. I'm gonna be defensive here. I'm gonna be at the core playing devil's advocate. They mean they do mean well in their minds. They think they mean well. They think that trans women are enemies because we're born with a penis. They see trans men. Right, Harry Potter's a big touchy subject for trans people right now because of that. Trans men, they view them as traitors to womanhood. Like, they're betraying their femininity to go get a penis. And they don't understand how gender dysphoria works. We always talk about gender dysphoria in relation to trans women. We know that it makes you want to be a woman, and it, it drives you nuts. Having nuts. But nobody ever talks about trans men, and the thing is, like, they're victims of TERFs and gender criticals just as much as we are. But the thing of it is, you have a lot of, I again, I said well-meaning lesbians who see trans men as turning on lesbianism, or lesbianhood, if you will, womanhood. The problem with that is, they don't own people's experiences. If a, if a lesbian woman decides that they're a trans man, and they go and or discovers they're a trans man, and they go and they have whatever surgery and, and gender-affirming HRT that makes them masculine, then that's, they're fucking right. We should celebrate them for doing that, not criticize them, not persecute them, not dump on them and make them feel like trash, because that's disgusting. Um, one of the reasons, one of the other reasons I wanted to talk about Turks is because now that you know the Netflix dust has settled, and now we're 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 getting over into the uh, fix this camera. We're getting into the post uh, walkout phase where people are starting to say, "Okay, now that you have got our attention, what do you want?" And the reason why turps are more dangerous now than they were a week ago is because there are people now who are familiar with that term who weren't familiar with it before Netflix and Chappelle, who are coming out and saying they're turfs now. And it's fueling the fire of our enemies. And it's only going to make things more dangerous for trans women and trans men going forward. Now, I don't want to get into the psychology of gender dysphoria, but I want to talk quickly a little bit about what trans women are in our minds and basically when trans women are excluded from women's only spaces what this does is it basically makes us feel like we're inferior human beings we're not being respected we're not being treated like true women and okay so we're talking about the exclusionary part right trans women being excluded from places where cis women are allowed in. This does have legitimate, real-world, dangerous effects on our lives. For example, let's say there's a women's homeless shelter, a women's shelter, where homeless women or women who are victims of domestic violence or you know, sexual assault or whatever can go and be safe. The argument is trans women don't belong there because they're men that are going to sneak in and assault women or whatever. But what really happens is you have vulnerable trans women who are victims of sexual assault, who are victims of domestic abuse, who are victims of discrimination, who are homeless and who have been beaten and abused and, and you know, molested and raped and everything else who have nowhere to go because they're not allowed into these safe spaces. TERFs will say, Get their own fucking shelters or go stay with the men. If a trans woman goes to a male only shelter, she runs the same risks that a cis woman runs into going there. Either one, she's going to be sexually assaulted, and when they find out she doesn't have what they're looking for, then two, she's going to be physically assaulted, violently assaulted, or dead. And unfortunately, in a lot of states, whereas you have the so-called panic defense, if a trans woman who's been sexually abused or neglected or whatever, a victim of sexual or domestic violence, is homeless and they kick her out of the women's homeless shelter and she has to go to the men's homeless shelter, And a man tries to rape her there, sees that she's got a penis, he can murder her, and in a lot of states, he won't get in trouble. No, he'll get arrested, he'll go through the courts, and they'll either drop the charges, or he'll, he'll get off. Very light. And then you have a dead trans woman. So it is very dangerous to keep trans women out of female safe spaces, because we are not safe in male spaces. If you put a trans woman in a male prison, she's not gonna survive unscathed. She's probably gonna get raped or beaten or stabbed or worse. We have to let trans women in the same places cis women are because we need safe spaces. And Turks, all they're doing is making the world more unnecessarily dangerous for us than it already is. If you're a Turp and you're one of those well-meaning turfs and you didn't, know, you didn't think how it affects us and you didn't, you weren't aware of it. Now you know. If you're one of those Dave Chappelle celebrating turfs, go fuck yourself. I don't fucking have any, any love for you. All right, that's my rant, if you will, on trans-exclusionary radical feminists. All right, everybody, so we are coming up uh, towards the end of October, and that means we are almost to Halloween. Uh, This week, I don't have the same type of show that you were expecting me to have. I don't have a this or that segment because I had a tie for this week's this or that, so I'm going to have to come up with a tiebreaker, uh, which will require me to uh, do something different for the poll. And so I'll have to do something for next week in order to be able to do this or that. And I actually didn't write down a supernatural topic, but I also didn't write down a music topic, which music is another section segment excuse me, that we've had on this show that I didn't have anything to talk about. So, basically, this is it. This is the end of the show. I'm just going to say thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming in. If you're a subscriber, please thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you are a Patreon supporter, again, I love you. Thank you for supporting me, and I feel the love coming from you. You guys mean the world to me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search Stephanie Bree22. 22 All one word. B-R-I for Bree. Stephanie spelled, you know how to spell Stephanie. All right. That's all I have for today. Uh, we do have a Patreon patreon.com slash stephaniegreen if you go there you can participate in these uh, chats that we have and uh, you know we do this once a week and then you get to watch me goof off and kind of record the show and then I'll put it together and then if you are a Patreon supporter uh, there's different tiers you can get the audio podcast a few days early you can get the video podcast in its entirety, minus these uh, those little intersections where we're just in between episodes. That stuff gets or in segments, that stuff gets cuts out, cut out. But the the topics are included in their entirety. And uh, the other thing you can get is once a month, you can come hang out with me on Discord or Zoom. Well, it had been Zoom, but now it's going to be Discord going forward. So that's once a month. We just have a little Q and A, and I'll answer any and all of your questions as best to my ability. And then, of course, you can participate in the poll where you get to help me pick my this or that topic where we play a fun little game at the end of the show. This will probably be a shorter show than you're used to, but that is uh, where we are, and it is what it is. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks to my Patreons. And I'll see you all next week with a little bit better show. Stay cool.